Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Thank you for joining us for the second episode in our podcast series covering the latest I-9 updates. Today, we are going to talk about the new I-9 form, covering the timeline for using the new I-9 form, the changes that have been made to the form and form instructions, as well as what remains the same about the form. This is I-9 Compliance, Episode 2 with Ogletree Deacons. I'm Christina Kelly, and I'm an associate at Ogletree Deacon's Boston office. And I am Natalie McEwen. I'm an associate at Ogletree Deacon's Tampa office. So Natalie, let's dive right into the new Form I-9. Could you give us the overview of when employers can use the new version of the form? Is there any grace period there? Of course. The new form with addition date August 1st, 2023 is effective as of August 1st, 2023, so employers can begin using this new form at any time. There is a grace period for using the prior I-9 form with addition date October 21st, 2019. So employers can continue using the prior version of the form until October 31st, 2023. A lot of employers may want to continue using the older version of the form for logistical reasons, but the new version of the form does come with a number of benefits, including that it is compatible with tablets and mobile devices for easily completing I-9 forms on the go. Christina, what other benefits does the new form have? In addition to being more handheld technology friendly, the form can be downloaded easily now that certain fields have been eliminated. Because of this, the form has also been streamlined, and sections one and two now fit on a single-sided piece of eight and a half by 11 paper when printed. Certain sections of the form, specifically the preparer and or translator certification and reverification and rehire sections, have been moved to separate standalone supplements that can be included only when necessary. Additionally, the list of acceptable documents page has been revised and form instructions are now only eight pages long, almost half of how long they were previously. Most importantly, the new I-9 form includes a new checkbox in Section 2 that allows an employer to confirm if an alternative procedure authorized by GHS was used to examine documents. This is a lot of information for our listeners to process, so Natalie, could you help us break down some of the more substantive changes we have mentioned? Absolutely. Let's start with the changes to the list of acceptable documents, because there are several important changes that have happened to that particular page of the form. The acceptable documents list now includes certain acceptable receipts as evidence of identity, work authorization, or both. It also removes the previously included abbreviations chart from the I-9 form and has relocated it to Appendix A of the Handbook for Employers, also called the M274. Conveniently, 
the list of acceptable documents does link to the M274 handbook, citing specific examples of employment authorization documents issued by the Department of Homeland Security there, such as E3S I-94 documentation, and specifically how to complete Form I-9 when presented with that documentation. There is a link included to the I-9 central site for further clarification, which was likely included to make the form more mobile device friendly. All of this is good news for employers. Christina, do you want to talk a little bit about the updated form instructions? Sure. Even though the length of the instructions has been cut down significantly to eight pages, it is important to talk about what has actually been added to those instructions, namely definitions of the actors involved in the I-9 process, including defining an employee, an employer, an authorized representative, and a preparer and or translator. The Form I-9 instructions have been organized to focus on the steps that certain actors must take in the I-9 process, as well as their responsibilities, things to keep in mind, and any actions required of those actors. The instructions walk through these steps in an easily understandable chronological format. Natalie, while there are a lot of changes happening with the I-9 form, what are some of the things that will remain the same? Thanks, Christina. Let's start with timelines. The timelines for completing sections one, two, and three remain unchanged. Specifically, employees must complete and sign Section 1 of Form I-9 no later than their first day of employment, but may complete Section 1 anytime after they accept the job offer. Employers must complete and sign Section 2 of Form I-9 within three business days of the date of hire of the employee. For example, if the employee began work for pay on Monday, the employer must complete Section 2 by Thursday of that week. If the job lasts less than three days, the employer must complete Section 2 no later than the first day of work for pay. For Section 3, employers should remind employees at least 90 days before the date re-verification is required that they will be required to present a List A or List C document or an acceptable receipt showing continued employment authorization on the date that their employment authorization or documentation, whichever is sooner, expires. In addition to timelines, document review guidelines also remain the same. Employers are not expected to be document experts. They should review original documents for genuineness and should confirm that the documents reasonably relate to the employee presenting them. Employers should look for any obvious signs of tampering, but should tread lightly. If an employer refuses to accept a document, it could be penalized for discrimination or for requiring different or additional documents of the employee. Christina, we mentioned that this podcast is part of a series. Could you let listeners know what they can expect from the next podcast? Of course. Ogletree's next podcast in this series will discuss the alternative procedure that is now available to employers. 
This alternative procedure will allow qualified employers to remotely examine employees' I-9 documents, provided that the employer is enrolled in E-Verify. This is an exciting development as it indicates that DHS has acknowledged the new workplace realities that now exist and have been in existence since COVID-19. Please also be sure to check out Claudia Martorell and Amanda Mullane's podcast from July 31st that kicked off this I-9 compliance series for more information. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and invite you to join us for future installments. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.